Hey guys, this is a quick reminder that the two best ways you can support the show are by one, leaving a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is like foreplay for the algorithm because it revs it up and makes our show appear higher in searches. And number two, you can subscribe to Auxoro Premium at auxoro.supercast.com, where for five bucks a month, you get bonus episodes and more exclusive content. Thank you for however you choose to support the show. Welcome back to another episode of The Ox, and today I'm going to start off with UFOs. I've been watching the UFO documentary on Showtime, and if you guys haven't seen this, if you have any interest in UFOs, aliens, is there life out there, the question of are we alone in this universe? which pretty much everyone has those questions at this point. I don't think there's anyone on planet Earth who's seen a photograph of outer space and been like, yeah, we're probably it. You know, just, you know what I'm talking about? Like those those photos where there's just, every single dot is a is a galaxy. Like it's not even a star, it's, you see this wide expanse of these twinkles across the sky and they showed one of these photographs in the, in the documentary. And I'm thinking, Oh, those are all stars. Those are, those are all individual stars. You know, there is, there is a, this I'm, I'm looking at things that are smaller on scale, like not, not smaller than earth, but just, in terms of the universe, a star is a simple thing. And then they put the the caption to the photograph and it says that these are all galaxies. So what I thought was just looking up at the night sky and feeling like I'm seeing just something that's huge, but in my mind, not as big as it was. And then when I realized that, holy fuck, every single dot is a star. And I'm thinking every single like I'm thinking that every single dot is a star and then I'm realizing that every single dot is a galaxy and I'm like holy fuck we are so small and so insignificant and so just it, shit does not matter. And th- these questions these questions are interesting and they deserve a response. They deserve people to make art. They deserve people to create documentaries about it. They, we don't deserve an answer. You know, I'm not going to say it it would, it sounds weird to say that we deserve aliens visiting this planet. We deserve them. You know, where the fuck are you? Like you're calling out the aliens, like you're Mike Tyson at the beginning of a, uh, like the, the weigh-ins, like we're just fucking staring to, into outer space. Like, yo, where the like fucking come at me, dude? Fucking come at me, dude. We don't deserve aliens coming to visit us, but we should be exploring the subject. And so, in this this documentary in Showtime, there's a lot of things that are spoken about. And I went into this documentary thinking that this was going to be one-sided because it's called UFO. And I I expected it to lean on the side of, of course, there are aliens out there. Of course, of course, there are things that we can't explain that are definitely not from this earth. And I came away from the documentary actually feeling less certain about alien uh less certain about aliens being responsible for the sightings than i was before i started watching the documentary and it goes into all of these these famous sightings like the tic tac ufo with david fravor it has people that were speaking on the ship uh who were actually watching the radar with the tic tac ufo it uh, the documentary has people 
who have seen many people who have seen UFOs in the sky. It has this guy, John Mack, who to me was extremely interesting. John Mack is a, a psychotherapist, psychiatrist. I, I forget officially what he is, but he, he talks to people. He, he a, a therapist that tries to get to the bottom of what's going on in someone's life psychologically. And he had he had sat down and done the sessions with, I believe it was over a hundred people who had claimed to see UFOs, and this was a huge deal because back in the the eighties and nineties, UFOs were identified by what people perceived as crackpots. So. Someone would say, oh, I saw a UFO in the sky, or I was abducted, I, you know, all this crazy shit was happening, and then people would look into the background of the person, and, you know, there would be a, a farmer, or, um, you know, whatever, uh, a seance leader, I don't know, some job, not that, obviously, farmers aren't all crackpots and stupid, and, but, but, but it's a, it was a lot of people seeing UFOs especially in the people that had normal jobs who were easier to write off. So people, oh, yeah, you know, like, what does this person know? They're not an expert. Um, there's no substance to what this person is saying. Whatever. Maybe it's true. It's probably not. And then John Mack comes along and he... I believe he worked at Harvard, either he had his degree at Harvard or worked at Harvard or both as a psychiatrist. And he started interviewing these people with abductions. And he went into these abduction interviews thinking that, yeah, this is full of shit. You know, these people are lying. There's no way this is true. And after interviewing dozens of this, these people, he started to change his opinion severely. He He started to believe that whatever experiences these people were describing, they weren't lying about it. And he didn't say that, yeah, it's true that aliens exist. John Mack never said 100% across the board, yeah, this, you know, they're telling the truth and also aliens are real. He wasn't approaching it from a... A scientific standpoint he was he was approaching it from an experiential standpoint because he was a psychiatrist and before his death he died in his 70s and some car accident in london some people think there's a conspiracy behind it i don't know some people think he was getting too close to the real reason the government uh you know the the, the things that the government is hiding and died in a car accident and there's some shady shit around that. I don't know. Who knows? Anytime anyone dies that's involved in anything that's not cookie cutter jobs, people are like, he was, this was an inside job. This was a conspiracy. He was assassinated. And then you're like, he, he was a bread maker. He made bread at a bakery his, his entire career. He, you know, are you sure it was a conspiracy? And they're like, yeah, he was, the government has a secret about the perfect way to make bread that the aliens told us thousands of years ago. That's actually how civilization started making bread, is that the aliens visited us and gave us the recipe. And this guy who was a bread maker was in touch with that original recipe. He was going to reveal it all. And that is why a black SUV rammed into him and died and, and, and killed him. But of course, you know, John Mack, John, John Mack is interesting because he has all of the tools to know what is bullshit and what is not. And he was listening to these people, they're lying on couches in some hypnotic state and they're, they're, some of them in tears, they were their eyes are closed, they're clenching, they're describing what these beings were doing to them on the ship, and they're like, oh, oh, and then, and then he was, oh, yeah, 
phone. <laughs> and these people are either the best actors and actresses on the planet or what they are describing was based on a real experience. And maybe these people, I don't know, maybe they were on in, in some sort of altered state. I assume these people were, they, there were backgrounds conducted on them. If they were drug addicts, if they were experimenting with psychedelics, if they were on something at the time, I'm sure that John Mack did all the background work because he was a Harvard psychiatrist. And so when I was hearing John Mack speak in the UFO Showtime doc, and he's describing the validity and the emotion and how his opinion was changing as one of the top people in his field, in the world, in the top of the top, the cream of the crop, psychologist, psychiatrist. That made me think. And there's something to these experiences. There's something going on to where it's not all bullshit. It's not all bullshit. And there, there was one of the main through lines of the documentary, a quote that kept coming up throughout was that 95% of alien-related stories, sightings, abductions is bullshit. That's why it's so hard to study UFOs and abduction experiences with any sort of scientific accuracy and, and substance because the field is filled with so many crazy, mentally unstable, attention-seeking accounts. And it makes it hard to sift through. And there have been thousands of UFO accounts, thousands of UFO sightings. But if 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 five percent of those, if if not even if five percent of those are a hundred percent true, like even if five percent of those was like thirty percent true, that means we're dealing with something incredible. And. I just want to say I'm incredibly biased coming coming into this this sort of conversation because I would love if there were aliens on this planet or aliens that came to visit us or we discovered the definitive proven existence of aliens on other planets before the end of my lifetime. One because it's just so fucking cool. Like immediately everything you do the, the the background running in your life these the, the conscious you know you know like those the, the things that you have to do every day when you wake up and you're doing a task and in the back of your mind you know oh i got to call my mom later and you know haven't spoken to her or you know i got to do this task and it's making me uncomfortable i know i'm going to have to do this in the future we have these background anxieties running in our mind or these background thoughts that affect everything we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And if you added, I don't know why I keep snapping. <laughs> if you added, I'm just like, emphasis, yeah. If you added aliens being in the background of those thoughts, It would either, I, I think it would go two ways. It would, because there's no in between. If we had definitive proof, it would shoot my anxiety through the roof. And I wouldn't be able to do things the way I used to do them because I would be constantly thinking about what is going to happen to us. We're in a universe surrounded by other beings. Where are we on the scale of being able to defend ourselves? What do these aliens want? What What is going to happen in the future? Or my anxieties would severely decrease and it would go to zero or almost zero. It's impossible to be at zero. 
because I would be thinking like, what fucking matters? You know, like this meeting that I'm worried about two days from now, there are fucking aliens (laughs) out there. And I'm worried about a 20 minute Zoom call that I'm going to say two things and pretend that I've been working the past two days on something that took me 14 minutes to present. And they're aliens, dude. Like, I'm going to be looking into my camera on my laptop being like, there are aliens. There are fucking aliens out there. And my colleagues are going to be like, is is this part of the presentation? You know, is, is this open? To... Joanne, shut the fuck up. Did you not hear what I said? There are other beings on this planet and around this planet besides us. And I think you're one, Joanna, because I've been seeing the way you've been drinking water at the water cooler and it fucking pisses me off. That little tongue slurp you do at the end, like you try to catch the, the water drips on the way out where it's, it's about to hit the floor and you fucking... I know where you were born. It's not on this planet, bitch. It would completely change everything. It would either... As a species, we would either simultaneously commit mass suicide or we would come together in ways that we've never been able to do before. And it's it's interesting to think about, like, with the pandemic, we had about two or three weeks of people saying, we're in this, we're in this together, you know, however we're going to survive, it's going to be because we put our differences to the side, Democrat, Republican, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, you like this music, I like that music, poor, rich, we're in this together. And then people stopped complaining because... They said, you know, there's a there's a worldwide pandemic. What am what am I going to complain about? And then after two weeks, it started getting politicized. And we did have this beautiful moment at the beginning where it seemed like that was going to fade away for however long this lasted. And then. The political bullshit started, so I wonder what's going to happen like, how long is that honeymoon period of aliens going to last? Like, if we find out that aliens have visited this planet, we, we see them meeting with Trump in 2025. Stop the steal. Just kidding. <laughs> that, that would be a... Uh, I, I, I want Trump to be in office just because he's... I want him to be in office one more term in case aliens come in that term. Because there's no other president in my lifetime that I would like a public alien meeting with other than Donald Trump. That would be insane. Just imagining... Just imagining Trump, like the aliens are talking about how vast their galaxy is and all the technological advancements and improvements. And Trump's like, look at this. Have you seen Mar-a-Lago? Come on, let's walk around. I'm a DJ here. I control the music. This is our beautiful golf course. Look, Look at all this. We have McDonald's on tap. Anytime you want, you can get a McDouble. And the aliens are like, we just told you that we used gravity to travel 10 million light years here in four seconds. And Trump's like, yeah, but have you had a McDouble? Have you? And that's the conversation I'm here for. But yeah, how, how long would that honeymoon period last if we had aliens come visit Earth? Would it, would it be two weeks? I think we would have a month. I want to give it a month. Because if a worldwide global... <laughs> which means exactly the same thing. That's basically the art of solo podcasting is just saying words back to back that mean the same exact thing to fill in the time. The worldwide global international pandemic. (laughs) We'd have about a month where people are in shock and we put aside our differences 
people are coming together and we're trying to figure out, you know, why are they here? Let's talk to them. We'll, we'll send all the specialists from different countries and try to figure it out. And then one month into the alien visitation, one side, one side would be like, I, I think, I think we need to go to war with the aliens. You saw what we did in Afghanistan. We, we went over to Afghanistan. We made billions of dollars funding the war machine. Sure, thousands of, of innocent people lost their lives. Sure, we got a little trigger happy with the Iraqi drone Afghani weddings where we would get a notification and it would say Osama bin Laden's fourth cousin is within 200 miles of an Iraqi wedding and we just bombed the shit out of the entire area and then lied about who we actually killed. But we made so much goddamn money in these wars in the Middle East. Can you imagine how much we would make in a war in the middle of the universe? And then the other side would be like, no, we have to, we have to make peace. We have to ask these aliens what, your, what their pronouns are. And the other side is like, well, shouldn't we ask them about the laws of physics and it's like yeah but how are you going to ask an alien a question when you don't know what its pronouns are and what it identifies as and that is the most important thing when you're meeting a new person when you're meeting a new species you we have to create a catalog of pronouns in order to properly address them not only them but the other beings within their galaxy because we don't know who they are and maybe and maybe they want to be seen. And pronouns are the way that you see a person. And that's probably what would happen. And we, someone would be like, oh, "They're gonna, they're gonna chip us with the vaccine. These aliens. They came from another planet. They're gonna chip us right in the cerebellum." Even though this isn't the cerebellum, they're gonna chip us right in the cerebrum. The cerebellarebum. Open the galactic borders. Open them. Build a galactic wall and keep these bastards out of here. Gosh darn it. How long would this political shit last? I don't fucking know. But check out the documentary... Watch it for yourself. Make your own decisions. Decide if I'm an alien. Am I, am, am, am I someone who's trying to ease their way into society by releasing podcasts about aliens in a positive light? That's a possibility too. But, uh, you know, on a real note, there is a... It's a fascinating question that people get a lot of shit for. For trying to study in any sort of reliable scientific way because you're basically an outcast once you come forward and, and you want to study this and also uh, another thing that i'll just quickly mention that this documentary is great for it's for exposing government connections to ufos back in the day back in the 50s and 60s when ufo sightings first started popping off you know a lot of people including myself um believed that the reason you know if if aliens were at coming to earth and there were sightings the reason is because we detonated nuclear weapons we detonated atomic weapons and the aliens were like oh fuck we gotta we gotta go check this planet out you know these dumbasses have been shooting spears throwing axes for four million years and they just set off an a-bomb and that's why there were all these spikes in alien, you know, UFO sightings, shit like that. This documentary offers other perspectives of how the government actually uses people's fears and it will, will actually use disinformation and purposeful misinformation uh, to their advantage. The government spreading the 
actually enforcing the reality of aliens to cover up other things. In the documentary, they they describe it as a magician where he wants you to look at his left hand while he's really doing shit with his right. And the government knows that if they say like, oh yeah, we, we've been tracking UFOs for years. Uh, we have all these objects in the sky that we don't know what they are. Um, and we release all this stuff, we declassify it. That's going to shock people. That's going to make them look at your left hand while you can fucking dabble with your right and distract people from something else. So that's also a possibility, too, that these UFO sightings are being validated by the government, not because they're just releasing all this declassified shit out of the kindness of their heart, but there are other technologies, other things that the government wants us to think UFOs are responsible for because they don't want us to know that, yeah, we can actually fucking do this. And they don't want other countries to know, Russia, China, whoever, that, yeah, we are we have this capability too because that's the, the world we live in. We have secretive arms races. We have secretive mind control races. The CIA is deep, deep, deep into manipulating the way that people perceive information and other government agencies as well. So that is also something you will learn someone else uh, who may be an alien is Amber Heard uh, and I'm 50% serious about that and if, if, if you haven't been living under a rock for the past two weeks you have probably seen at least a couple clips of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And before I get into this, I want to say for, um, I don't even know if it's legal reasons or whatever. It's just so uh, Amber Heard's lawyers uh, don't come chop my cock off when this podcast blows up. I just want to say that everything I'm about to describe on the podcast is my perception of the trial this is not based in fact this is not i'm not recounting events that have actually happened everything i'm about to say going forward is how i perceive the trial and with that being said amber heard is a lying bitch i went into this trial i went into watching clips of this trial and i will say this trial is live streamed every single day on youtube and then it's released in these eight-hour massive segments. And it's been going on for 17 days or something like that. So there's over 100 hours of this trial. I've watched maybe an hour and a half of Johnny Depp's testimony and the same for Amber Heard and then some other massive clips from the trial, like two, three-minute clips. So in total, I've seen, what, two hours out of 100 plus. So what, 2% of what's out there on this trial? So take everything with a grain of salt. This is just my perception based on those my, my small insight to what was going on. I went into the the viewing of this trial wanting to give Amber Heard the benefit of the doubt and evaluating this as objectively as possible. I had heard what people were saying about the trial. I saw clips of Rogan and you know, Tim Dillon, um, just I've listened to a lot of stand-up podcasts where people make fun of it and mention stuff. And so I knew before I even watched any clips that the perception was that Amber Heard was being dishonest and Johnny Depp was very charming and was the victim here. And after about six minutes of hearing... Actually, I take that back. I I watched about an hour, hour and a half of Amber Heard's testimony, like I said, before I saw Johnny Depp's. And I was watching her testify and I, I was watching her thinking like, yeah, this is, you know, this seems, something is off here, but I don't know what. It seemed, some of it seemed believable. Some of it seemed somewhat genuine it was kind of weird the way she was interacting she when she would answer a question she would always look at the jury which you know I'm not stupid I know you're trying to build trust as the as the defendant it's you make eye contact with people it seems you know it, it 
I'm a podcaster. I know that I'm looking into the camera right now. If I was look, recording this podcast the entire time looking over here, you wouldn't feel as connected if you're watching the the video version as if I'm looking at the camera and then, you know, you take breaks, you look back. But every single time when Amber Heard would get asked a question, she would look right at the jury, say the whole thing, and then look back. And it started to get weird because she wasn't looking at the the prosecution at all, which like, yes, sure, look at the jury, address them, especially in pivotal moments. You want to acknowledge that they're there and they feel like they're being told a story because court is theater. It, it's a form of performance art. It's not always the person who is uh, innocent that gets off. It is the person who tells the best story based on facts. And that is what lawyers do. That is what people on the stand try to do. They present a story based on the facts and that story has different levels of the truth. We're supposed to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but, but that doesn't always happen. And um, I'm not calling, uh, I, I didn't think she was a liar when I was li listening to her and watching her, but I, something, I, I sensed something off about it. Like she, she was just, just, it, it seemed like it wasn't real emotion. It was like, what she thinks sadness looks like as an actor. You know what I mean? Like it's so different on screen because when we watch a movie, there's so many visual cues. You need to sometimes overemphasize an emotion to get people to know that, Oh, you are sad, especially um, when you're trying to get a reaction. So there's sometimes where I just felt like Amber Heard was acting and then as I watch more and more of the testimony, I'm like, oh, my God, she is acting. Because it's so obvious as a, as a normal person, as, you know, as someone I'm somewhat uh, normal psychologically. I've seen thousands of people sad throughout my lifetime, strangers, friends, movies, whatever. Like, I know the difference between someone who's actually sad and trying to tell a story, trying to tell something that happened to her and someone that's attempting to portray sadness. And she's a skilled actor. She knows how to do that. And it seemed like she was trying to flex her sadness skills on the stand. And there were genuine moments mixed in. It's impossible to be, you know, to act for eight hours straight for 17 days and so I didn't think that Amber Heard was lying when I just saw her testimony. I knew something was off and I knew she was, something was being contrived. And then I watched Johnny Depp and boy, did that provide a necessary and clarifying contrast for what Amber Heard was saying. Because as soon as Johnny Depp got on the stand, the first clip I saw of him was describing how he got into acting, the relationship with his father, his father leaving, and, and how he moved out to L.A. and he was a musician and kind of stumbled into acting and, and got a part in Nightmare on Elm Street, which is fucking sick. Like, he wasn't even trying to... Uh, that, that wasn't his main career choice. And compared to Amber Heard... And even as a standalone piece of content, Johnny Depp was so fucking sincere. That's how it seemed. It seemed like he was telling it like it was. He wasn't trying to remember some story that he discussed with his lawyers. He's charming. He's making jokes. There's There was one point on the stand where the uh, Amber Heard's lawyer was repeating a text that Johnny Depp had sent Amber Heard where he said something along the lines of, I have better uses for your throat, <laughs> like saying something sexual. And the the lawyer was like, I have better uses for your throat. Did I say that correctly? And Johnny Depp was like, yeah. And the lawyers, again, he's like, I have better uses for your throat. Did I say that correctly? And Johnny Depp's like, yeah. And the lawyer's like, okay, again, you said this to Amber Heard. And the lawyer's trying to like, May paint him as like some sexual deviant um drug addict which he admits he was a drug addict but the the lawyer again says you know and you said this to amber heard you're gonna do something to her throat you're gonna fucking face fuck like all and johnny depp's like 
I'm sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> and the uh, the audience laughs and, and you could tell that in the midst of this trial, in the midst of a woman that attempted to tear Johnny Depp down, that wanted to drain him physically, emotionally, financially, he was still in the middle of that trial being like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to have some fun with this. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell, you know, what happened to the best of my ability. But that doesn't mean that I, I have to be completely serious all the time, which I think is great. And I am sure comes off as genuine and authentic to the jury. And so I saw Johnny Depp's testimony that provided contrast to Amber Heard. And then when I saw the sincerity of Depp pasted against this contrivity of Amber Heard, that to me was like, oh, she's lying. Like, Because when you watch it by itself, it, sometimes it's hard to tell. You lose, when you're watching something over and over, you lose perspective and then you compare it to something else and you're like, oh yeah, obviously that's it. I would have that a lot of times in baseball where I'm watching videos of myself and I'm trying to break down my mechanics and figure out, you know, what's going wrong. The last game didn't feel good. Like, is it my arm? Is it my leg? And then I watch a video of myself from before that game and it looks, it looks different. I'm like, oh yeah, I, like it, it, it was my lead leg. I wasn't, I wasn't putting my lead leg down long enough. That's in the same way Johnny Depp exposes Amber Heard because Amber Heard does plenty to expose herself and then Johnny Depp gets on the stand and I'm snapping again. I'm getting getting back into the snap. Yeah. And you, it just immediately like just deflates Amber Heard's defense. She is... She she just looks like someone who needs a break. Both of them need a break, but she's just like, she has to be sick of making shit up. You know, <laughs> some people say that she, there's a clip of her doing coke on the stand. I don't know. Could it be? Maybe. But she seems broken. Johnny Depp seemed like he was broken and now he's in a much better place. Amber heard still seems broken. And in that way, I have a little bit of sympathy for her because she's having her entire life put on display alongside Depp. And that is, if, if I had an ounce of sympathy um, for Amber Heard, it would be the fact that this is all a public trial and it must be difficult to get away from that when you're trying to just get a moment and relax. But what I don't... I, I don't uh, feel bad for her, um, you know, for 99% of this shit, 99.9, because if this trial is what it seems and that Johnny Depp, um, again, these these were both, it's not like the, the, the insane girl was beating this clear, lucid guy who didn't have any problems. No, the, based on what they were saying, they were clearly too just two storms that headed towards each other. Johnny Depp did a fuck ton of drugs. He was on coke, Molly. He was drinking all the time. He wasn't sleeping. Um, he was. They were flying around the world doing different acting jobs. They were living together for certain periods and they weren't. And they would go back apart. They would have these huge fucking multi-day arguments running around the house, damage, like all this shit. And so there were two storms that headed towards each other and they just locked in like this hurricane-like sequence where they just spun around each other and got deeper and deeper and deeper. But the difference was that Johnny Depp wasn't a physically abusive storm, and Amber Heard was. It's not like Amber Heard just came in as this storm and invaded Johnny Depp's clear, clear skies. No, they both did fucked up shit. But the, the problem is, is that what Johnny Depp did, you know, being a drug addict drinking a lot and you know making things uh difficult in a relationship with drugs and drinking and and verbal arguments that's not against the law i mean maybe drugs depending on where you are but it's certainly not a a, a 50 uh you know it's not worthy of writing an op-ed 
calling someone out for physical abuse, which Amber Heard did in the Washington Post back in 2018, Johnny Depp readily admits that he had a messed up childhood. He has been super famous from a young age and that obviously deeply affected him and he has some problems and he's working through them and he seems like he's doing a a decent job of that. But then the problem is Amber Heard is lying. She's throwing bottles at this dude. She's, she's damaging property and taking photos to make it seem like Johnny Depp actually did it. She's, switching her story she's not being honest with herself her witnesses are not reliable at all they change their stories it's um yeah it's it's a tale of two people that came together in this crazy whirlwind and one of them got abusive physically abusive and johnny depp has an an a bottomless bank account it seemed like he was going out of his way to make sure amber heard was set up was doing doctor doctor appointments for her letting her live in his apartments and his houses he was providing for her family taking her on these extravagant vacations and sure amber heard has millions of dollars but like she doesn't have fucking pirates of the caribbean money and johnny depp was putting himself out there and 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 doing a lot of things to benefit her. And it doesn't seem like that was a two-way street. There was one moment that I, I... It stood out to me. And it wasn't even an abusive moment in the trial that Johnny Depp was describing. It was, it was an insight into, into the beginning of where all of this happened. Amber Heard apparently early on in the relationship would take off Johnny Depp's boots for him when when Johnny came home Amber would say oh like I'll Johnny would start to take his boots off and Amber would be like oh no 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 I'll get it I'll get it like and Depp said that he thought that was nice it was a nice gesture an act of love you know Jesus washes the feet of his disciples Amber (laughs) unstraps the boots of Depp um and it's a good gesture And then there was one time where Johnny Depp describes how he came home and he had his boots on and Amber was either cooking or on the phone. She was distracted and Johnny Depp starts to take his boots off and Amber Heard rushes into the room and she's like, what are you doing? And Johnny Depp is like, I'm I'm taking my boots off. And she's like, oh no, that's my job. I take your boots off. That's my job. And he's like, okay. And she's like, yeah, stop it. I'm, I, this is what I'm doing for you. I'm taking your boots off right now. And that is a serious red flag. And you could see, you could see how this, just from that one incident, like obviously, you know, it's a, it's a nice gesture to do. I'm not saying that if someone does that, they're going to fucking throw a, a Smirnoff bottle at your head two years later. But you could see how these elements of of control and caring and aggression leading to violence, how that started. Like she clearly wanted to input herself to Depp's life and become indispensable in ways to where she had to stay with him or he had to stay with her and taking his boots off was something small. But I'm sure she liked that. She liked being the the girl that, you know, like, I'm, I'm going to do this for Johnny. And eventually these tasks will get bigger and bigger and he's going to need me around. And maybe she felt justified in beating his ass and punching him in the face and doing all this shit because she was also doing nice things. Which is also a good point because people all the time, they, they paint abusers as men, first of all, which... Yeah, sure. I'm sure most abusers are men, but th- there's also women like Amber Heard that are fucking maniacal and manipulating people psychologically, and it's hard for them to get away from the the abuse. But 
they're painted as men and they're always painted as like these constantly aggressive people. And then in this trial, you can see how it goes in and out of waves, how it's like, oh my God, I love you. I fucking hate you. Okay, I love you again. I'm going to chop your finger off. I'm hiding in the bathroom. Oh my God, call my mom. Oh my God, she's getting closer. Oh, fuck, fuck. I love you. It's not black and white. It's not... I'm going to kill you or I'm I'm going to do a nice thing for you. It's both. And that's probably why Depp stayed around so long is because he saw who Amber Heard could be. And, you know, I've been in love. I've, I've never been in an abusive relationship, but I've been in love to where there are, you know, pink flags going on and... I'm not a perfect guy by any means, but there are things that I've ignored because I've been in love with someone and I let it go and I let it go and then it builds and then you're not being open and honest, you're not communicating and, and these things escalate. And if you're with a person like Amber Heard, that can get violent and you start to justify. I'm sure Depp was doing mental gymnastics every time he was high or sober, getting his ass beat, like, okay, like, Yes, it's a broken nose. Yes, I got my fingertip chopped off. Yes, all this shit. But like she also takes my boots off. You know, she also writes me poems. There's an entire book of love letters that they go through in the trial. She apologizes. She she in these journals, she she says, you know, I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna get better, Johnny. Like this is part of love. She viewed it as like this normal thing. And maybe she was in an abusive relationship early on or maybe someone in her family was abusive with her and that got normalized in her life early on that's not an excuse at all for what she did but it provides some context as to where those actions are coming from and i will i will say this netflix if they are smart Netflix is on the decline. There are a lot of people unsubscribing from Netflix. I would probably be unsubscribed from Netflix if I wasn't on the the shared family things because I'm only paying like four bucks a month or whatever between everyone. But their shows are not great. They they had the originals. They had House of Cards. You know that was like a big moment in streaming television. But I'm not really impressed with Netflix. I'm I'm much more impressed with HBO, Showtime, Hulu, these other channels that are offering better shows, in my opinion. If Netflix was smart, they would strike some sort of deal to stream these types of trials in real time and make shows out of it. Because, again, there's over 100 hours of this trial. If Netflix got the rights to cut them down into a series of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard saga and release like a six episode miniseries on this trial. That would be fucking like house of cards level shit. And if they were able to do it as it was coming out, like if Johnny, if there was an eight hour trial and then they edited it down to later that night, like this is the one hour of must see. These are the highlights. Oh my God. People would sign up for Netflix in a fucking heartbeat. And these trials are going to continue because we're in the era of air your shit out in the open, publicly televised, you know, reality TV courtroom shit. Like this isn't even reality TV, but it kind of feels like it a little bit because you're watching everything going on. It's better than reality TV because reality TV is, is scripted a lot of times and they start fights, they instigate it. Like you don't have to script shit in this trial to make it interesting. It would be such a low budget for Netflix. They would just have to buy the rights to stream it. They should get into the courtroom streaming game these these types of celebrity trials if they were able to put it down in bite-sized pieces and clips and make a mini series you know it, it would do really well i would definitely be interested in that that would make me uh, if i were someone that left netflix that would intrigue me to re-sign up thank you so much guys for listening you know i hope I hope you get something out of this. Uh, this is, I, I I like doing this because it helps me put my thoughts together. It helps me form sentences and take ideas and, and try to communicate them 
in a clear fashion and hopefully an exciting, interesting fashion through the lens of my personality. And it definitely helps me with the conversations that I have on my other podcast, which is Oxoro. If you want to check that out, the Oxoro podcast. And I use these episodes. I, I've gone back and forth of should I make these research, these episodes highly researched, like my guest conversations? Should I just, you know, I have three topics on an index card. Um, should I just rant on that and talk about what I've done the past week or watched or whatever? And I really like this format. I like this more relaxed kind of like let my mind wander format. And I hope it comes off as better to you as well. Um, because it's opposite of the guest episodes in a lot of ways. I, I have a ton of research going into guests. I have sometimes three, four pages of bullet points, which I don't cover in a two-hour guest conversation, all of it. But I, I have it there as a scheme, as a blueprint. And I've mimicked that with the solo episodes. But I really do like kind of just going on tangents and exploring and just having one topic in my mind. And snapping when it gets interesting. Oh, that wasn't a good one. And I feel like that, it's better from a content standpoint. It comes off as more genuine. You get to explore the caverns of your mind that you don't normally get to explore if you have a sheet of notes in front of you because you always feel pressured to go like, I need this, 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 this. Like, need to cover all this shit. So I like this, you know. You can let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what your thoughts are played around with the format I could I see myself sticking with this type of show going forward with the solo episodes so if you want bonus episodes of this of the aux you can go to auxoro.supercast.com where you'll get monthly bonus episodes there are AMAs you can submit topic suggestions to the podcast so if you want me to talk about UFOs if you want me to talk about Johnny Depp um, another thing I didn't get to is what is my biggest fear that I'll I'll probably talk about in another episode. If you want me to talk about something, if you see a story in the news, you know, something that could literally be anything, a personal experience, you can send me a message on Instagram at adoxoro or Zach, Z-A-C-H, adoxoro.com. Send me your recs. Um, if you subscribe to Oxoro Premium, um, you're able to submit uh, topics and suggestions. What I, what I meant to say, um, you can submit them on Auxora Premium. So if you're subscribed to Auxora Premium, you can um, message me there because when you're in the, the subscription, we're able to chat back and forth on email. Or you can DM me um, at Auxora. And of course, even if you're not subscribed, you can DM me too. Um, about anything ask questions about the podcast um, send me clips whatever um, give me feedback and also it really helps us out if you can rate us on apple podcasts and on spotify because spotify lets you rate episodes now uh, also and this is like you know you're tickling the algorithm you're letting the algorithm know that i like this show I enjoy it, and the algorithm says, okay, other people are going to like this too when you click five stars, when you leave a comment. So that is also helpful too if you feel called to do that, the the five bucks a month for Auxor Premium, if that's an option that you would like. Um, and yeah, just thank you for listening. Listening is enough. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking your time. There's so much fucking shit out there. I could watch Johnny Depp for fucking hours, and the, the fact that you tune into this podcast, even for 10 minutes, means a lot so really appreciate you guys being part of the show and i'll talk to you next time